Microsoft's heading into the holidays, Twitter's headed down the drain, and Xbox is cutting some dollar dues. Happy Friday, friends. It is, it's Friday before the bird holiday is right around the corner and Black Friday and Black Friday is like a month long event. Now, whatever. It is the end of the week. Hopefully you had a wonderful week. Microsoft dropped some news, Xbox cut some prices and Twitter might hit the toilet. So let's just dive into the tech news of the week and the highlights. So Microsoft's One Outlook app is now a little bit more one-like because you can put multiple email accounts now in there. And that means like, hey, it's like you can use One Outlook app instead of having to have your accounts all over. So One Outlook is moving forward just a little bit closer to being done. And there you go. Uh, Microsoft is also working with NVIDIA. They announced they're going to be building a new supercomputer, which is fascinating. I always, these things are always interesting. Yeah, it's always neat to see a company put like a trillion GPUs and then they got a trillion CPUs, put all this stuff together. But the interesting part is actually how they orchestrate all this stuff. It's a real DevOps IT conundrum. Like when you have this much bandwidth and you have this big of a challenge, it's like, how do you get all this stuff moving? Because it's not like it's a, you know, just a couple GPUs in a data center. You've got hundreds of thousands of these things and just tons of bandwidth and orchestrating that effectively and getting the most out of it is going to be fun to watch and hopefully Microsoft and Nvidia detail how they do this which you know knowing especially Microsoft I would think that they would I would I would think that they would so uh, Windows 11, we haven't gotten a build in a couple days, but a couple things have kind of slipped through the cracks here. And so uh, let's just dive into this. So first off, seconds, or at least the option to put it back on your taskbar is coming back. At least that's what we've been able to figure out. Also, the bigger thing is ungrouping. Now, this is not full transparency. I work at Stardock and run the team that builds Start 11, and we sell a product that brings back ungrouping and makes your taskbar way better than Microsoft shipped it. That being said, ungrouping should have shipped with the OS. Like when we took the effort to build out our own ungrouping solution, we just assumed that Microsoft was going to ship it within a couple weeks or months, maybe. We didn't expect it to be about a year uh, from when we, you know, started putting this stuff together. So it's not surprising that it's coming back. It's surprising that it took this long. And as of right now, it is very, very appears to be very, very early in its implementation, meaning. As of right now, it's only two icons. So like if you have uh, Photos app open, you have two instances of photo apps open, you have two different photo app icons. They're not the full text. And so I would assume that Microsoft is coming, gonna do that. It'd be crazy to only have duplicate icons and not the full text, but who knows? Microsoft has done crazier things like shipping an OS without it. And so uh, here we are. Either way, that looks like it's coming, but it's very, very, very early implants in, in its implementation and actually was uncovered in a uh, server skew. I don't even think proper Windows 11. So uh, just be on the lookout potentially for that. Maybe coming down the pipeline here eventually. Uh, Microsoft is also experimenting, enabling dark mode from the Action Center. That's a minor one in the grand scheme of things. But more interesting on the ARM side of life, more interesting on the ARM side of life is that the Qualcomm Snapdragon Summit happened uh, happened this week. Actually, it's, I think it's still technically ongoing as the time I record this. Either way, it happened this week. And for fans of Windows on ARM, you might want to just <laughs> like uh, not worry about next year. From what it sounds like, based on what they announced, like we're not getting a new, real new chipset coming. It looks like we're sticking with the same thing that we had this year. 
which isn't great, which really means that 2023, a year from now, is when they'll announce their next one, which is what they indicated, and that 2024 is when we'll start to see new Snapdragon or Windows on ARM chipsets and that, that add more horsepower and functionality, which is great, I guess, but it just feels like maybe we were starting to see some momentum in ARM, and then it's like, oh, we're not going to get any new chips, and the horsepower is going to stay the same. They're going to add some, I think, some AI functionality this year, but it's not the... The biggest question when everybody picks up an ARM device is like, hey, does it have the same horsepower as an Intel device? Which Intel and AMD devices get great battery life these days. So like, the, you can't just say you're doing it for that always-on connectivity because that, that narrative doesn't hold up anymore. Uh, and so it's just, it's like uh, ARM is just, it feels a lot like Windows Phone because when the meme with Windows Phone was always, hey, it's the next one coming. The next one will be the one that makes it that makes it par like brings the parody to the platform. It's the it's the Nodo update. It's the donut donut update. It's uh, what was it Windows Phone eight dot one or whatever they were calling that back in the day. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. It's just yeah another year of Windows on ARM just sort of putzing along at the at the end of the day. Uh, it, it, speaking of putzing along, if you're in a Teams meeting, you're like, hey, I want to play games with my colleague while I'm not listening to my boss tell me what to do for the next week. You can now play games inside of Teams. They're bringing just more little simple games to play inside of Teams. I don't know. I'm sure there's an initiative for a reason why they're doing this, but yeah. So if you see your colleagues like playing games during a meeting, that's what they're doing. Uh, thanks to teams. So, uh, on to the gaming news of the week. So, the big news in the world of Xbox this week is that they're slashing 50 bones, $50 dues, off the Xbox Series S. You can now pick it up at just about any single retailer, at least in the U.S., for $50 less. Now, they're claiming that this is a Black Friday-only deal. If it's if they're doing like what they've done in uh, recent history, yeah, the price will go back up, like temporarily but then in january or july or something like that january or july that's a wide time frame as the condensate pump for my furnace turns on if that's what you hear in the background uh <laughs> yeah the the trials and tribulations of trying to record a podcast during the winter either way uh 50 bucks typically what we've seen them do in the past is that they'll say yeah they'll raise the price back up for like a week or two or whatever and then after the holidays in january it'll just become the price like that is how microsoft has typically done it and so it looks like 50 bucks finally coming off xbox november update is now available so this includes upgraded discord voice chat uh twitch better twitch or built-in twitch integration there's a new captures app sales and wish list notifications improved power options and new recommendations in the settings if i stumbled through that yeah there we go there's also a new xbox series as bundle the gilded hunter bundle which is for 299 and get you get you some cosmetics for Fortnite. uh oh god i can't even think of the other ones the uh the race car soccer game i cannot think of the thing uh, rocket league there we go i'm sure somebody was screaming at their podcast app and all that and then uh you get some cosmetics for that stuff it's roughly looks like it's more than a 50 dollars value so you can kind of get a bundle there one thing we are not seeing by the way we're not seeing really much on the series x side we're not seeing any price cut they're not doing any it doesn't look like we're seeing any big bundles there that i'm aware of so yeah, looks like they're definitely focused on the Series S, which makes a lot of sense, right? It's the lower price thing. It's the easier option. And at $249, it's very clearly the likely the best uh, value heading into the holiday shopping season. And also, I missed this one last week because it happened after I recorded the podcast. But the Flight Simulator 40th Anniversary Edition is now available. The novelty here, aside of being from 48 years, 
or 40, 40th anniversary edition, is that you can actually play the old flight sims on some flight sims computers in the aircraft. So you can play flight sim inside of a cockpit, inside of a, inside of flight sim. Just a neat little novelty, uh, nice little Easter egg that they have added there. So on to the questions of the week. Always my favorite part. We got, well, we got a decent amount in the hopper today. Let's go, my friends. Simon says, Elon's purchase of Twitter. How many business school case studies do you think it will... It will feature and um, what has gone right and wrong so i think all of them will be a lot of uh how <laughs> so i've read a lot of business case studies i just I enjoy reading them especially when they're well written uh i think what we're going to learn and what the the, the baseline assumption that's going to come out of this is that you can't apply the same management style to every single company because it doesn't always work. You have to tailor it to each approach in each company. And very clearly, that is what's happening at the bird site because Elon clearly came in with this crazy mentality that might work at SpaceX. Like at SpaceX, it's, hey, you're going to build rockets and maybe take humanity to Mars. That's a big thing. At Tesla, it was like, hey, you are going to help the world launch electric vehicles and you are going to be the leading pioneer. That's a big statement. Save the planet sort of thing. At Twitter, you're going to help topple democracy. Like that just, like it doesn't work. <laughs> so, and software engineers at that scale and that caliber probably aren't hurting for being, you know, they have resumes that do well and I'm sure they were compensated well. And so it's not a startup. And to come in with that hatchet mentality, which because let's face it, the result of this is what happens when you pay $44 billion for an asset that is somewhere tagged to be somewhere between like 10 to $15 billion potentially in worth. Yeah, like that doesn't, the math doesn't work. And so he's trying to cut to productivity, which is a very terrible management methodology. I know why people do it and I know why it happens, but cutting to profitability, just like I'm cutting away for this yard. I had to cut away there for a quick yawn. That's what happens when you record these things about a little before 8 a.m. on a Friday morning. Uh, so I think there are going to be a lot of business case studies that come out of this. There's, there will be a ton. It'll be interesting to see which is the definitive case study because the the interesting thing is like a lot of this is just playing out on Twitter in real time, which is hilarious. We're talking. It, it feels like people on the Titanic talking about the Titanic sinking. Like that's what we're all doing. And so it's all doom and gloom. And you know what? Give your salute emojis and we'll just move on. It's just Twitter at the end of the day. Confused geeks <laughs> jumping on this bandwagon says, why spend $44 billion to run a company into the ground? He spent $44 billion on it because he's contractually obligated to do it. And he massively messed up with his due diligence and actually his acquisition offer. Elon was forced to buy Twitter. He did not want Twitter. I think that be has become pretty apparent and he was required to take it. As soon as he went to court and uh, in Delaware and they were pulling out old text messages, he's like, all right, I'm basically going to have to buy this because that's what happens when you enter into a contractual agreement with no due diligence is that you are forced to do the things you signed on a piece of paper. And for shareholders of Twitter and everybody working at Twitter, it was the greatest thing ever. I know people keep saying, well, why would you sell this to a guy that's just going to ruin it? Because you're your fiduciary duty is to the shareholder. And when someone comes in and says they're going to buy the site for well more than it's worth, you're contractually obligated to do it. Otherwise, you could be sued for saying, look, you didn't have the best interests of the shareholders in mind. And so, yeah, uh, I, Elon, I guarantee you, if he could have gotten out of buying Twitter, he absolutely would have. But now he can't. And so here you go. Here you go. Anyways, Mastodon might take its place. I don't know. Mastodon is pretty rough around the edges. I I use it uh, mostly because I need some place to scream into the void, and Mastodon sort of does it. It's not great, though. 
Sydney2K says, hello, Brad. We've had two years since the series consoles. It has been two years. Your thoughts about how the consoles have fared and what do you think the future holds for the S and the X? It has been two years. It is kind of crazy to think, and my brain still says next-gen consoles, but we are absolutely in the current console gen era. And I think Microsoft has done pretty well. You can watch 100 videos that I've always said the, the goal, at least internally, was for Microsoft to close the gap between a two-to-one sales ratio versus the PlayStation, and they absolutely have done that. I think the Series S has actually been the better of the consoles from a marketing and sort of sales volume perspective. Yes, the Series X takes the narrative for the most powerful console, and that was a great thing for Microsoft. But the Series S, especially now at 249, I think is the actual winner from Microsoft's perspective, and that was probably by design, right? It's a nice, powerful console. It accomplishes... 80 to 90%, probably 90%, 90 to 95, we'll say that, of what console gamers really want in the next-gen console, right? You've got uh, you've got high resolution, you've got at least 1080p, 60 frames per second, which scales nicely up to 4K. Yes, it's not true, always true 4K experience, but at the same time, like, look at the games that are coming out. Like, the, everything runs just fine on it, and it's 249, and I, I think I think Microsoft should be happy. It has definitely been a struggle from a logistics perspective, but that's not unique to Microsoft at the end of the day. And if there's one shortcoming uh, that I think Microsoft has waffled on a little bit, I think it's the Game Pass subscriber numbers. I think they were hoping to see more by now. Uh, we know that because in the CEO compensation, Satya Nadella has not been fully compensated for Game Pass subscription growth because they've missed their targets two years in a row. And so has it been a perfect launch? Absolutely not. But let's let's roll back some facts, though, too. Have the consoles been reliable? Yes, that is a massive one. From a hardware perspective, everything has been locked down and done well. It's not a red ring of death scenario. We're not hearing of overheating. We're not hearing a mass volume of recalls for the consoles. From a hardware launch perspective, I think it has gone about as well as Microsoft had expected. They're just still working on some of the business model as well. Uh, Metal Bear says, hey Brad, for someone getting back into pro into the programming game, what software suites or tools do you recommend and what languages are most widely used or recommended these days, C++, Python, or anything else? Well, uh, Metal Bear, it's awesome that you're dabbling back into the programming. The problem with your question is that it's so broad. Like, it really kind of depends. What are you trying to do? .NET uh, 7 just came out. Like, if you're truly starting fresh and you're thinking about playing in the Microsoft world, .NET 7 might be the place to start. If you're, if you're looking for something a little more generic, JavaScript is always a fantastic place to go. C++, uh, I, I'm not sure Rust is, if you're looking for like hardcore low-level programming, Rust is becoming a quick favorite among the industry, and I think Microsoft might be trying to move away from a lot of their C++ stuff. And so Python is always great. Python is awesome if you're getting into data analytics. Like if you're a data guru like myself, and you are in the Power BI's and Excel spread, Python is a great uh, language for that. So realistically, um, you gotta, you gotta figure out what are you trying to do? What is, what is the goal? And then we can try to help answer questions from there because just to say, I want to be a programmer. Well, like you could go into, uh, Unreal Engine would be another great place to go if you're true, if you're thinking about game and game development. So, uh, and then Microsoft has a various, uh, IDEs. So you can, you can choose your own. Some people still just like notepad. Um, so there you go. Uh, let's say it's, oh gosh, Khadgart, Khadgart, Brad, long time listener, second time questioner, and next week you'll be a third time questioner, I'm, I just feel it, uh, have you ever heard, have you heard any updates on the Game Pass family bundle thing, yeah, so where is this one, I know it was being tested in the EU, so I'm curious if you heard anything, no, Microsoft, I 
was actually expecting them to maybe go to market today, or like or this week. The reason why I say that is I, if, uh, you know, tooting my own horn, whatever. A couple weeks ago, I said, "Look, if you're not going to buy a Series S, wait till the 17th because they're going to drop the price." And that's exactly what they did. And they had this big Black Friday thing, and I thought that inside of there, inside of that announcement, I was waiting for that Game Pass family bundle. Maybe they're saving it for another week. We don't really quite know. Microsoft has it available in certain markets, but clearly, it seems like. I get the feeling, just based on reading the tea leaves, that maybe they missed some of their targets from their internal target release deadlines based on the way that it's rolled out because we've seen it in other markets and typically that happens and almost immediately it hits the U.S., but we're not there yet. We're not there yet. So, no, I haven't heard anything about yet specifically when it's going to launch in the U.S. I was expecting that it would be online by now, to be honest. Uh, Migi says, I was thinking about doing some certificates online like Azure or Oracle SQL. What would be your recommendation? So again, this kind of goes back to the same programming one. I guess it depends what your goal is. But if somebody says, hey, what sort type of certificate should I go for? There's a couple things. One, security is always the hotness, right? Nobody will ever be sad that they have a new security certificate on their profile because security is is an evergreen topic. It's never going away and it's something you always have to be vigilant about. Cloud-based uh, certificates are always a good thing. I might stay... There's like SQL Server 2022 is coming online. I might stay away from the on-premises stuff because unless you're entrenched in that and trying to get a very specific promotion internally, that may not be the best route to go, personally speaking. But... I would go for security related. Teams is also another good one if you're more on the IT side and you're an administrator and IT uh, on the certs on the team side and deployments and that sort of thing are always going to be in vogue, at least for the next couple of years. And Eric K, wrapping it out for the week. Hi, Brad. Do you have any advice for someone who might have to deal with family members this holiday who might think that a Artemis, which congratulations to the SLS NASA Artemis launch successfully very early in the morning. It was a fantastic flight. I personally didn't stay up. I somewhat regret it, but it was like, man, it was at one, like 1 a.m. And I I need my sleep. And so I, I watched it again. In the, I watched the, the replay in the morning, but it was a beautiful flight. It's now on its way to the moon. Um, anyways, who, do you have any advice for family members this holiday who might not think that Artemis is fake or be that space exploration is a waste of time? What are we learning anyway? Too expensive, potholes to fix, etc. So, first off, let's assume that budget is no object. Uh, take them down and watch a rocket launch. Actually, just go to the Johnson Space Center because it's fascinating. Second of all, you have to... You got to pick your battles realistically. Like if people are too dense to realize that some of this stuff is fake, then you may just be barking up a tree that's never going to shake any leaves or, or bear any fruit at the end of the day. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the, the best way to, to prove to somebody is just show them the damn rockets. They are amazing feats of science. Now, from the perspective of like, hey, it's just a waste of money. Now, I'll speak specifically to the U.S. because it's hard to... It's what I know best at the end of the day. First off, um, sparking private industry is something that is massively targeted from this. So SpaceX is a great example. Uh, the ULA, while expensive again, is a private industry that has benefited from our efforts in space exploration. So you can't just say that it's a waste of money because there are tens of thousands, if not millions of jobs now related to our efforts for space exploration. Number two, we also could save our butts one day. We just tried to move a meteorite, or was an astronaut, I always get these confused. We just did it. And so, one, it's a, a humanitarian-based effort to keep us alive on this health site that we call Earth. 
or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. And two, we get a lot of cool pictures. I know people might say those pictures aren't worth the money, but learning and knowledge is never wasted. And so understanding how science works is only going to help us move and survive. And so if one day we ever want to figure out how to master wormholes, it's going to start with things like the James Webb telescope. They can give us more information. And not to mention, science is just cool. And if people don't like science, I can't really help you out. Uh, you know, if you want to fix potholes, we spend a whole bunch of money in other places. NASA's budget is relatively small. Yeah, a billion dollars sounds like a lot, but then go look where they spend else other money uh, at the end of the day. And so I don't have a great answer, but I'm a big proponent of science and NASA and rockets and space in general. And I wish you the best of luck and just choose your arguments wisely because you might just be wasting your breath. You know, some people just don't want to change. And so that's their prerogative. Whew. Wrapping it up this week, my friends. Wrapping it up, wrapping it up, wrapping it up. So hopefully you had a wonderful week. We got to see the SLS launch. We got to see Twitter go down the drain because of <laughs> whatever. We got to see Xbox price cutting. We got to see the bird next week. And hopefully you had a wonderful week. And make sure to keep it subscribed here because the only BS on this podcast is me. <laughs>